so good. I encourage you this Christmas season, come every, they've had, we've got some great music planned for the next few Sundays. So we have, you know, our normal services every Sunday and then Christmas Eve, Sunday morning, 1030, we have one. But the Wednesday beforehand, we're also going to have a candle lighting service. So if you would like to be part of that, it's uh, 20th, is it? Uh, I don't know. If, yeah, it's the 20th of December. Love for you to be part of those Christmas celebrations. Invite your friends to join us. It's always a very warm and uh, in time that we can embrace what the Lord's uh, doing in our lives. We also like to invite you all to our house. Not today. I'm not quite ready for you. But we'd like to invite you to our house uh, for an open house. And the address is in the bulletin. The information is there like for you to be part of that. If any of you are interested in being baptized, you've never been baptized, the 31st, that's New Year's Eve, we'd love to baptize you that Sunday morning. If you would like to be part of that, um, would you consider it if you've never been baptized and following the Lord as an act of, uh, of worship and obedience to the Lord? So while it's obvious, Christmas time is here. You can smell maybe, how many have fresh trees? How many are you that you're the purest? How many of you have the, not fake, artificial trees? How many of the artificial ones? Yeah. Years ago, we went to the artificial trees because my daughters were having some reaction to, to the live trees. And, but we did love the smell of them in their house. So something about it. Maybe you've gone and passed a, some of the trees. And it's like, oh, it smells so good. Or all the lights come on. And you, maybe you're kind of like me. I love to go find the places that have the coolest decorated houses or the most gaudy houses. You know, but, wow, they really went over the top and the lights are flashing and you can get blinded as you go by. I just love that. You know, I remember when I was a child, my neighbor across the street, who's Mr. Filer. Mr. Filer was the neighborhood watchdog, and he would just do, I'll do us with lights. And I'd always go to my dad, and I'd say, Dad, why can't we do lights like Mr. Filer? He's so, you know, and so my dad would drudge out, and he'd put a couple extra lights, and I got older, I put extra lights out. And then when when our when we had our our house and our kids were going up, I try to over you know just put out all kinds of lights. And then after a while, I go, yeah, I don't know. I have to plop in the roof. I maybe can we pare back a little bit? Anybody with me? Kind of like I don't know if I need to do that. And, and now we're in our in our new home, we got okay, we got lights around it, and we've got a wreath. That's good enough, you know. I'm like my I'm my dad again. I don't want to go crazy with it. I love the the smell and the sights. And, and, and the carols, it's so refreshing to hear Christian music, you know, wherever you go, even if it's, if it's just the instrumental, to hear the, the sounds and of, of, of the carols singing. Um, my family knows I like to sing Christmas songs in off-season times, and it's so fun to sing them, even if it irritates a few people in our home. But I love the, the, I love the Christmas carols. I love the smell and the Christmas time and go... There's kind of like a, a sense of expectation in the air, isn't there? That something's going to happen for children. It's that day that they're going to open Christmas presents. Uh, for some of us, it's the gathering uh, of family. And, and there's just a sense of expectation. For this Christmas season, I'm going to be speaking about the, the word joy in general. That Christmas time is a time to renew our joy. But today, specifically, um, I'm going to focus on expecting the unexpected, expecting the unexpected. We all have expectations. We, we expect good things to happen. 
Some of us might expect it'd be nice to get a raise. It'd be nice to be get a little extra money in the bank. It'd be nice uh, if, if you know, my boss would, would change his heart toward me. Some of us are students. It'd be nice to get an A, right? Or get all A's. Or it'd be nice uh, to come to school expecting and maybe it would be a really good day because I'd have a good time with my friends and I'd get some recognition and my teacher would pay attention. Or maybe our expectations is just uh, a friendship. That someone gives us an encouraging word or a loving family. And we all expect good things to happen. But sometimes in our expectations, good things don't happen, right? We have our expectations and sometimes we're a little disappointed with what we expect. Today we're going to be focusing on a, a, a guy out of the Bible. His name is John. John got people ready for Jesus. And he was to create a sense of expectation for our coming Savior, Jesus. His birth preceded Jesus' birth. They were cousins. And he came to proclaim and get people's hearts ready. He said about himself, you yourselves know I, I am not the Messiah. I am not the one. I am here to prepare the way for him. I'm just here to get people ready. He raised the expectation in the air. Something is coming. People didn't know when the Messiah was going to come or how it was going to come. But, but John was preparing people for that. So I'm going to have a couple of us come forward. I'm going to have Sam and Jessica come and, and they're going to read the scripture today because I think this birth sets the stage for expecting the unexpected. So uh, let's listen. This is out of Luke chapter 2. I think it's going to be in the screen so you can follow along. And uh, uh, my daughter, Jessica, is going to narrate, and Sam's going to do the angel part today. So. When Harold was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by a lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. When the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside and prayed. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. 
for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Yeah, well, incredible and hard, even hard to believe story when you think about it. Here's this couple. It says they were good people. They were a righteous couple. They were trying to do the right thing. They followed the commandments of the Lord. And they were waiting to have a son. I'm sure they were waiting a while and nothing was happening. Here's the problem they had. They could not have a child. And they were up in years and they probably gave up. And he was just doing his duty that he was supposed to do in the temple. And they were longing for to have the child, but they, what they expected did not happen. She never became pregnant. She never was expecting, as we say about women who are pregnant. She, there was a sense of disgrace in their lives. Now, we might not understand that, but some people might understand longing for a child and not being able to conceive and the agony that that might bring. But in that, in that culture, there was a, a sense of disgrace if you didn't have a child, especially for a woman didn't bear a child, uh, carry on the family name with the, with the son. And you can imagine that she felt that. She felt like it, it, maybe it was her fault. It might not seem fair, but in the Bible it happened all the time. Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebecca and then, then, then Hannah having a baby Samuel. And again, it might not seem fair, but it was just part of their culture. And they were feeling like totally like a sense of disgrace in their life. I don't know if they had conversations at home about it. Was it the elephant in the room? They never talked about it because it was just too tender to speak about. They prayed. They prayed again. And silence, or at least so they thought. A visit from a single angel changed everything. An unexpected visit was something beyond what they could ever believe. An angel comes and shows up in their lives. This is interesting because not only was the angel showing up to declare something that would generate a new sense of expectancy in their hearts, he was enlarging their vision about what God could do. Because they, like us, sometimes put ourselves in a box. Imagine drawing a little box around yourself. And this is how life is. This is just the way it's going to be. We just want to have a baby. That's what we want. Interesting that God expanded their understanding because not only they're going to have a baby, but this baby was somehow going to be instrumental in doing something that was even beyond their own family. Because all of the God's people, Israel, were longing for a Messiah, a Savior to come. So not only was this child going to be a child that was going to bless them, this was a child that was going to be great and be used by God. What they were expecting came in a very unexpected way. So I'm going to have my friends Ken and Judy Schmidtke come up. 
And I'm going to ask them a few questions because there was a time in their life where they were expecting some good things to happen and they weren't seeing them. By the way, I, uh, for those of you who don't know, Ken and I have known each other as long as, almost as long as I've been in Washington State, right? Um, they both, uh, he, I was in his wedding, he was in my wedding, he works for Youth for Christ, and he met his wife uh, a while ago. Somebody, we got the microphones working for him, thank you. Yeah, so uh, maybe, uh, how long, by the way, have you guys been married? Well, since 92, so 25 how, how, years. 25 years. 25 years, it like 25 years. Huh? Let's give him a hand. Now, I remember when Ken was single, and he remembers when I was single, and I'm, I'm sure Jude can remember the time when you're single, and you think about the future that you want to have. Um, can you talk about your expectations that you might have had for a future family before you were married? Before married? Uh, well, always wanted to be married yeah. and always wanted a family, but, you know, it's never, when I'm in my 20s, it never was happening the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Uh, so I just kept on trusting God and waiting for the right person. Yeah. And that was Judy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have that same sense, Judy? It's like, uh, you know, that someday? Someday, yes. Things will come. <laughs> and you did. Yeah. Uh, did you ever think about what it would be like to, to um, when you would have children someday? Did you ever think in the future, after you were married, you, you look forward and think, okay, what would it, you know, your hopes for the future for your, your family, what did you think about? Yeah. We always wanted children, and, you know, we just thought we'll be married for about two years and then start, so, you know, hope to have kids right after that. So that was your plan. That was our plan, but it, our plan wasn't what was God's plan. It wasn't God's plan. So you didn't have, uh, how long was it after you were married that you had your first child? Seven years. Seven years. Tell us about that waiting period. I know you guys you had some testing. You went up. You, you went to the uh, hospitals. Had some tests. Tell us about that waiting period. What was that waiting period like for you, for that time that you were longing to have children? Uh, you know, it's hard because every month you you hope, and then your hopes are crushed, and it's you know starting all over again, and uh, going through tests. And you know, we did get pregnant, but we lost. Uh, the baby and you know that was very traumatic and you question okay what's the deal why are we not able to you know we can conceive but why can't we keep the child and so it was just a really difficult process it was very very hard challenging emotionally spiritually just everything just emotionally great... was it like up and down oh, it was down? definitely and plus I was on meds and so you know to try to get pregnant and so that in itself was you know emotionally um, it's an emotional roller coaster. So I've been talking about expectations. It did a number on your expectations of what you wanted to yeah. see. Yeah. Well, um, where did you sense the Lord in all of this? Where did you sense? How did you? How did you get through this season with you guys and the Lord? Well, always knew He was there and He was directing this, but still, you know, it's really hard and. Um, Got mad, angry, like, why can't we have kids? Everyone else is having kids. Um, but, yeah, I just knew that he had a plan, but we always had to remind ourselves, each other, of it. <laughs> you know, in the, and in the process, you know, you, if, you just trust God because, you know, he's got, whether we had children or not, you know, it was, it was a 
joy and uh, answered a prayer to get married and to find Judy and to become husband and wife. And we understood that, you know, whether we have children or not, we have each other and God has brought us together and what our future holds is in his hands. And it's out of our hands, but we trust him. So looking back at where you were and then this boy, Jacob, is, is in your our life. Our baby boy, Jay. He's <laughs> <is> now 18. <laughs> Looking back then and, and where you are now, tell me, tell us about that. Well, it's great because I really can see that God has a sense of humor because it took us seven years to get pregnant. And so then we thought, oh, you know, we won't even think about baby two and three at all. And then boom, pregnant, you know, no trouble. I mean, like within 17 months and then boom, 19 months comes Evan. And it was just, you know, it's just great. Yeah. So for, for five years, you were longing to have children, seven years married, didn't think you could have a child. Then you had a child. Then you had another child. You had another child. In your home, you had three prayer schools running around thanking God for the answer to this prayer that God had done in your life. Yeah. yeah. So um, what did you learn about God in that process? Or what did you sense of him working in your lives? You know, he is trustworthy, and regardless of whether we had children or not, he was trustworthy, and we just relied upon him. We, we you know, yes, it's uh, emotionally up and down, but just learned that God is faithful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. So uh, are all three of your kids here today? Two. Two of them. Hey, could you give your parents a hand? Yeah. All right. Can we all give them a hand? All right. And it's, it's amazing how God blesses our lives, right? Even when we sense a sense of lack and we don't know how long it's going to be, God is faithful. Thank you so much for sharing. I know it's a lot to get up here and, and talk in front of all these scary people. Sometimes I think we limit our expectations to what we can see within this box. This is the way God works because this is the way it, it always works. This is the way life works. But how many know that God doesn't work in a prescribed way. There's no, when you're born, there's no like American way that's given to you, although we tend to inherit it, right? We, we think this is the way it should be. And God has a way of taking our expectations and giving us what we never expected. Three in a row. Great baby boys. Yeah. God has a way of working within those. We, you and I, come to times in our lives when we may sense a sense of lack that I don't know, I'm not getting, or it's not happening, I can't see it. It might not be a child. It could be anything. could be a relationship. It could be financial. It could be the longings that some of you have given us on your prayer cards. When I hold those cards that you have given in prayer, we take them really seriously and we realize we're, we're kind of touching a little bit of, a holy moment when we pray with you about something that's near and dear to your heart. Expect the unexpected. When it comes to times of lack, we need to see that maybe there's more resources outside of the box than I originally thought. Jesus saw sickness as an opportunity to heal people. Jesus saw people on the margins that nobody liked as, as, as an opportunity to welcome them into relationship with him. Jesus saw when there was a lack of food or resources, an opportunity for God to step in. For when I come against my lack, it's when I realize I need him. 
It's when I don't think I have that sense of lack that I tend to not think I need him so much. So if, whether you think everything's good or you're, if you're ever in a place where you just don't see the resources or what you need, that is a great opportunity for God to work. It seems kind of ludicrous in the face of the lack to say that. How do you encourage a couple? You just be with them, by the way. You don't give them any words. If you see somebody in a sense of lack, they don't really need all your advice. They just need you to be with them. But for you and I, we, we, we need to pause and think, Lord, you've done it before. So we're saying, can you do it again? Can you do something fresh in me? Interesting that Zechariah just goes about his duties. He's a priest. And the way they did it then, they would rotate people in the community that would come and represent the priest. So the priest is in the temple performing for the people acts of worship. He's bringing their offerings, their sacrifices for, the, for all their sins, and he's praying in this temple. I wonder what it was like in that space. There's incense going on in front of him that represents the presence of God. You could smell that. There's a sense of awe. Have you ever been in a place where you've sensed awe before? I remember when we went to London a few years ago, and we were in um, St. Paul's Cathedral. And you walk in there, and immediately you know you're not supposed to yell. You know, you're, you're, you're voice hushed, and you're in this huge, te- this huge worship center, this huge cathedral, and you're just awed by that. Was that? Is that what Zechariah sensed? Outside, the people are praying. Interesting. He's inside representing them. This is is not in the Bible, but this is historically what would happen when the people were outside. They would say these words, this prayer. God of mercy, come into your holy sanctuary and receive with pleasure your offering of your people. Thousands of generations, when they would come once a year for the sacrifice, would say this prayer. God of mercy, come into your holy sanctuary and receive with pleasure your offering of your people. While he's performing inside the temple these acts of worship, they're outside praying this prayer, sensing, anticipating, hoping, longing for a Messiah. And in that atmosphere, God does what they were expecting, but in a very unexpected way. An angel comes And says to Zechariah, don't be afraid. I can imagine the angel coming to him and saying, don't be afraid. And he's going, okay. Okay. When I was a child, I I wanted to see an angel. Anybody ever wish you saw an angel? Now, this wasn't during puberty looking for a a girlfriend. I was looking for it. I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool? Because we talked about it so much in our church. And, and it was, there was a kind of heightened sense of expectancy that you never know when God's going to show up. And I thought, maybe, you know, I'd be laying in my bed hoping that an angel would show up. Of course, I'm sure if I did, it, it, it would send fear into my heart as a little kid, as it did for this man. An angel comes, and he proclaims to him these words. Your prayers have been answered. You are going to, you are going to conceive. And I'm sure he's thinking, ha, 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 where were you when we were in the prime of our life? 
We're in our 90s. I don't know how they were. We're old. You're going to conceive a child. And this child is going to, it's going to bring great joy to you. And this child is, is, is going to proclaim the Savior is coming, and he's going to be great farther than you can understand. And you know his response? How can this be? Because I'm old and my wife, she's old. How, how can this be? And the angel said, it's going to happen regardless whether you believe or not. But because, because you didn't believe what I said, you're, you're, you're going to be muted until that baby is born. Why did the angel do that? Why did the angel come and say, you can't speak? I believe it wasn't because he was, you know, rebuking him or punishing him. Because I think about so many times in scripture that people didn't believe and they say, help my unbelief. I believe it was because he wouldn't be able to speak, so he wouldn't be able to perpetuate a little bit of the unbelief in his own heart. And it was also to give him nine months of silence where he could only think and anticipate what God would do. Here's the thing. In the waiting is the hardest part. For the five years the Schmidtkes were waiting, that was the hard part. It's in the waiting that we want to give up. It's in the waiting that sometimes our expectations don't happen. I love the message version of this scripture. Romans 8, 24 and 25. This is why waiting doesn't diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what's enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, the more joyful our expectancy. After nine months, the first words out of this priest's mouth, Zechariah declares his name is John. I love this story. It's a sweet old couple. They can't have a baby. They don't know what they're going to do. And out of his mouth comes these words. His name is John. You know what the word John means? God is gracious. I think that was a word to them. They were feeling, what did I say? A sense of disgrace, a sense of lack. And God said, God is gracious. I don't think he was only giving him that name for their sake, but for our sake as well. Because God speaks to us and he says, I see your lack. I see your sin. I see when you mess up. I see when you're, you're not what you like to be or what have you like to have in your life. He says, but I am gracious. And I'm going to send you a savior, Jesus. So John was setting us up to anticipate, to expect the grace of God through Jesus Christ. That he would give us what we were longing for, what we were expecting, but in a very unexpected way. No one expected Jesus to come the first time the way he did. Surprised everyone. The angels showed up and said, this man is named, I want you to call him name, his name John. And he will declare about the Savior. This story shows when you come to God, open-handed, he has a way of filling our, filling our lives with good things. He has a way of saying, you only see this box, 
But would you open up your heart and your mind to receive something fresh from me? Interesting, this child would be known to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and there would be joy in the family. And the Holy Spirit would be heavy upon this child. This was not expected. That the Holy Spirit would be embodied in this little baby. Joy, because the presence of God was unleashed in this child. But Jesus opened up for all of us to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer contained in Jesus or in an individual. The Holy Spirit is available for all of us. In Acts, it talks about the disciples. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Paul said this, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trusted him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. John grew, became a, he grew up to be a great man, and he proclaimed this about Jesus, and he was proclaiming it, I believe, about us. Luke 3, 15 through 16. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their question by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John was giving people a sense of expectation about the coming Messiah. Sometimes I wonder about us and we're longing to see God work outside of our box. Do I come expecting or does my cynicism grow in? What was happening in, in Zechariah? What was, what was happening in their lives as they talked together? Were they saying, we're too old. It's been too long. This is impossible for us. God hasn't seen our situation. I believe God sees each one of our situations, but sometimes I come with my prescribed ideas of how God will work. It's in the waiting that our faith is enlarged. It's in the constant waiting that God has a way to say, I am going to bless you with something you're expecting, but it is not exactly what you're expecting. You're expecting the unexpected, something that was not on your radar or mine. What would it be like for you personally to experience more of the presence and the spirit of God as God gave it to poured out his spirit on John and unleashed it through Jesus? What would it be like for you and I to experience the Holy Spirit's presence, the holy presence of God? in a greater way. You might have had an experience like mine that I just thought this is the way God works. He worked like this in the past. He's going to work like this in the future. I've never imagined him out here. But what would it be like this Christmas season as we begin Advent where we're thinking about the coming of Jesus to come with a sense of expecting not just the presence and the family gatherings and the lights and the music, but something that's beyond our expectations, that God divinely, by his spirit, would be working in each one of us. I would like you to stand with me right now. Would you pray with me?
First of all, I'd like you to think about your own sense of expectancy. The things that you long for, the things that you may feel like you're lacking. And would you, would you with me believe that God can do what he, what you're longing for, but maybe in an unexpected way? Would you believe with me that God would take care of that? That I would get my heart in the line and ready for when he does show up, I'm ready for it because they were constantly worshiping the Lord. As Ralph was saying in prayer, I have to get myself ready every morning because I don't know what God's going to do in my life. Would you with me have a sense of thinking about this Christmas season, heightening your expectancy of what God may do in your life? Would you do that with me? So you might have those longings. But then I would say, even beyond your longings, my friends, I believe God wants to give you something far more rich than the things that you even long for from this earth. Something that would come from heaven. Something of the Holy Spirit. Something that would be powerful in changing us to be more filled with joy than we have thus far. Would you pray with me?